Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast for the best shows on TV, and I'm Jake. And I'm Cash. Alright guys, welcome to the new podcast covering Daredevil, season two on Netflix. Um, we're going to do this a little different, because we've never done a really a binge-watching show that was a streamer. Uh, this time, Cash and I are going to cover it in three episode bunches. Yeah, about five episodes total. Four yeah. threes and a wrap-up, I believe. Yeah, we'll do four threes. And then a finale episode with a wrap-up tied into it. Yeah, this way it gives everyone a chance to be caught up and nothing really too spoilery for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say Cash has finished the season already. Okay, uh, just throw me under the bus already. Yeah, he's a bit... Uh, I was a little dedicated. Irresponsible, yeah. that's what I call it. Dedication, irresponsible. Yeah. <laughs> tomato, tomato. But I'm going to actually follow around three by threes with the audience i'm sure most people are binge watching this you know knocking it out as fast as they can because it's a wonderful show but i'm gonna try to keep it three by three so i don't spoil on accident i know you'll do a good job of not doing that glad you got faith in me yeah absolutely well the audience will come down on you <laughs> if you fail them um but let's just start it out how do you feel like the season two started i thought it started off a little low for me because uh, we ended it on such a high note with the introduction of Kingpin and everything, but I'm really liking where they're going. Okay. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. We kind of talked about this before the podcast started about how we kind of feel like maybe the shine is worn off a hair bit. Yeah. Just, just a tiny bit because they're, they're kind of redoing some of the things they did in the first season and they're trying to lighten it while keep it really dark. And I'm not sure if that's necessarily hitting like they want it to. Yeah, I mean, I'm not having too many major problems. But I will say that season one really came out and really surprised everybody with how well it was done. How dark, how edgy they pushed it. The violence, the gore, the language. And it was, I didn't think Marvel was going to let them do it. And they've kept the violence on par with Deadpool and everything. But I feel like the language is a little bit toned down. And the story isn't quite as dark as it could be yeah because the punisher he's he's a dark character i think they're going a good route with the punisher and matter of fact so far just three episodes in i think he's kind of stealing the show oh he's absolutely the highlight this is his audition for his own breakaway which can i say i just finished the first two episodes the first two seasons of walking dead and i'm pretty sure he turned that in as an audition tape for the punisher He's playing yeah. the same character. He's Shane-esque, for sure. Um, Bernthal's an amazing actor. He's been in a lot of good stuff. I don't know if anybody's seen Fury. I mean, he That's one of my favorite nails movies. it. He nails it. And then, I mean, if you've seen like Wolf of Wall Street and, of course, Walking Dead, you know what he's capable of. But I think Fury mm-hmm. really shows the level he's able to reach. So... As of right now, I feel like he's kind of stealing the show. There's nothing wrong necessarily with Murdoch or Foggy or Karen or any of them. I just feel like... And we just rolled them over. Yeah, they're just getting a bit overshadowed. I mean, and the villains do a good job of doing that in the show. I know Punisher's not necessarily a villain or anything, but he he kind of is in the portrayal of this show. He's an anti-hero. Okay, that's what I was looking for. And those kind of characters really flourish on Netflix's model for daredevil i feel and yeah. especially like even uh jessica jones the purple man flourished especially towards the end of it in being the best character on the show for me at least yeah he can anytime they can give you to feel you know anything for a bad guy a bad guy basically yeah i mean i, I had some sympathy for the purple man by the end of it yeah yeah even though he was a terrible <laughs> dude um and I feel like we're going to get the same thing with Punisher. They haven't really got into his backstory much yet, um, but I we mean, get, we get a little bit by the end of, by the end of the third episode, like that talk, and we'll get to the rooftop scene and everything. Yeah, absolutely. But I I feel like they're really slow playing his backstory. Mm-hmm. You know, to so Murdoch can't really, even though he's trying to pry it out of him in that final scene. Yeah, you know, you're not you're not getting too much. You're getting baby steps. You know, as to how he became this person. Which is the same way they introduced Kingpin. Absolutely, and absolutely. So, I mean, that's part of the, just they're kind of redoing the same things they did in season one, which is fine. You know, it, it's going to lead to a great series if that's all it ends up being. 
oh, if they stayed on this par forever, for as long as they want to run the show, they'd crush it. Yeah, every year. I mean, it, it's a top rated show on network television. And it, from what I understand so far, I think Punisher's got his own spinoff, his own show coming. Uh, I think they want to, but there's a lot of hurdles to jump through for it, which, I mean, we can easily talk about that in the final. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Wrap up this. class. We may know something by then. Um, you know, that's more set in stone. Yeah. But I don't know. Three episodes in, I feel like the show is, I was a little nervous at first. It was, like I said, the shine was a little off. It wasn't going to be able to surprise me. So when it came in and kind of just kind of rehashed a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. kind of just picked up right where it left off. I think we're like, what, a year in? It's like a year after Wilson has been incarcerated? Um, Maybe. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like what it feels like. I it, mean, it feels it feels like it's been a little bit, um, but not too long. No, you know, I feel like the stink of Fisk is still on the city. You know, because it, you kind of think there's all these gangs and warlords and drug dealers that are all trying to fill that power vacuum. Yeah, and that they're hitting that heavy so far in the first three episodes. Constant, you know, from the hospital scene where you see just. Gang members everywhere. Oh, um, just blood. Just everyone shooting everybody. It's just it's a power struggle. Absolutely. Which is exactly what happens once that much territory is up for grabs. Absolutely, and it's kind of a play on, you know, current events a little bit with the Middle East and stuff. You know, when you leave, when you take down a dictator, you end up having all these smaller groups try to fight for that lead yeah. role. I mean, the only people we really haven't seen come back yet is the Yakuza. And I think that they're lurking in the shadows. Yeah, they're only mentioned yeah. by the Irish. Um, so It's a lot of cartel and uh, Irish. Yeah, that, and bikers and, and a lot of low-level thugs mm-hmm. they're showing. You know, a lot of, like you look up on IMDb, Criminal 1, Criminal 2. <laughs> looking you know. for days was a bit of a struggle. Yeah, the, absolutely. Uh, but, um, but let's hit the high notes on the characters we go through. All right. Obviously, Murdoch, Daredevil... He gets a great I, opening scene. I thought the opening scene was fantastic. Him chasing down, I guess they were robbing diamonds. I, I wasn't 100% sure of what they were robbing. This is kind of a throwback because how many times do you see the ski masks? No getaway <laughs> car. Let's Nothing. just run down the street. I mean, how many getaway cars can you have in New York traffic? So <laughs> I understand that, but dang. But we got a cool scene, though, where, just, where the cop, the female cop, gets blown off her feet. Oh, dude. my God. Just running backwards with a hand cannon. Boom. Yeah. Uh, you really felt the impact of that shot when yeah. she gets hit. So I thought that was pretty neat. And then, obviously, we get the uh, almost Batman-esque Daredevil style where he's, like, pulling him into an alleyway. And you, oh. hear, you hear ass beatings, and he's vanished. Yeah, and then there's just a criminal there on the ground. He's just like, yeah. oh, well, I guess somebody was there. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know. Guy getting beat up on a car. You know, oh, that, uh, that was hilarious. Like He's like, get out of the car. And then just, boop, yeah. smash windshield. <laughs> I'll do the next one. But I love the subtle stuff they put in this show. They really they really don't just beat you over the head with things that you've seen thousands and thousands no. of times. You get a lot of new new nuances on they're, fighting. They're and just stuff like that. tweaking it. They're like, yeah. hey, I really like this scene. How can we make it better? And then they make it a little bit better. Absolutely. So and then we get to the church. We finally get to the church. He takes out the all the lights and stuff. Then we just hear the revolver go off, and the girl runs out and stuff. But as it's painting away, you see that big Catholic cross. Yeah, and I think they're definitely going to bring in the Catholic guilt, the redemption, the you know sin that they really had heavy in the first season. And I think that that's going to linger all throughout because even later on, by the end of the third episode, we realized that the Punisher was once Catholic. Yeah. And yeah. so like each character is going to resonate with this. And even the priest still has a few parts throughout the first three episodes of the show. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing them keep playing with that idea. You know, mm-hmm. cause they, they've done a really good job of not like, overwhelming you with it but it's always like lurking Linging, yeah it's like lurking in the shadows it is it's like a rain cloud hanging over the entire show which i think right. is well done so first three episodes how do you feel like from first season to second season with on murdoch uh, i i feel like he's pretty much on the same path I, he's got a new armor he's got a new little look uh, uh the new suit i really liked the black bandana over his eyes, the, really? the classic, the original <laughs> look. I did. For some reason, I felt like it was kind of uh, 
just more like realistic. A, a realistic look at what kind of a vigilante would look like. I'm not a big fan of the horns. Uh, I'm really not. Uh, I think more of the eyes are bothering me. Because it's kind of like that Batman thing where they're just kind of like lit up. Yeah, it's kind of strange. When the light hits it the right way, it looks kind of slightly goofy to me. So, Do you think the Punisher knows that he's blind? Not yet. Not yet. I don't... Because... I mean, that final scene in the third episode, they kind of really... You know, he's really hitting it. Why didn't you take my mask yeah. off? He's like, you know, I, I don't need to know. He's like, I don't care who you are. He obviously doesn't want to kill Daredevil. No. Well, because he has his own code. Yeah. And Daredevil's never going to fit into that code that will allow him to kill him. Absolutely. And, I mean, I was really surprised that we met, really, that Daredevil met the Punisher in the first episode. I mean, I I thought we'd get the glimpses like we did. We got a big Irish hit. Yeah. All right. Where the Irish are thinking that it's a whole man army. And he... The spray fire that they did made it seem like it was more than just a Punisher because of how he was moving. It wasn't necessarily as precise. Oh, yeah. As, it was more like a, it looked like a spray and pray. Yeah, it was like he was a Call of Duty. He was just like on one of the little light machines. Yeah, absolutely. And the Irish thing was really cool because they left some little hints in there. Now, I realize you've watched the whole season and I'm sure I'll catch on to some of these things, but you realize that the main Irish guy whose phone rings, um, you find out when the cops are looking at his body, he's wearing body armor. Yeah. Um, there's a guy with his hand cut off. They haven't fully dove into those things just yet. Um, but the cop with the body armor, for me so far, I'm thinking is going to be another Reyes situation. Because just like she put Grotto, another character we'll talk about soon, into that situation with the wire and yeah. stuff. I feel like maybe she put that Irish dude in the same situation. No, I mean, I don't feel like anyone wasn't supposed to be at that meeting. Like, I feel like everyone that was there was supposed to be, and no one was trying to flip on anybody because they were still trying to figure out how they were going to get their power back and everything. Cause they were talking about the f- struggle for uh land and all their money. And yeah. so, it but, didn't feel like there was a rat or anything in there lingering. Yeah, but that's I think there was because remember the guy, you first you think it's going to be like the drunk guy. Mm-hmm. He said a little too much and he's talking a little too much. But then he walks back and you see the guy hand him the whiskey bottle and he's about to crack it over the dude's head before they get all shot up. Yeah. Because that's what I'm saying. I think there was some kind of informant in there. I don't know. Maybe I, I think were. it was just a little bit different because there was the uh, guy that they had never met before. Mm-hmm. He was walking in as just a powerful man. Right. And so you, like, you just kind of get that jittery feeling, but it, I find it hard to believe that anyone was supposed to be there that, or someone was there who wasn't supposed to be there. Right. I don't know. It's just weird that the guy was wearing the vest, the bulletproof vest. I think stuff. that's just being in the Irish mob, you know? <laughs> you, you're <laughs> a little worried. more, yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone drinks a little too much, and so it probably pays. Right. But, all right, let's stop. We don't have to hit too many just like high notes yet. I want to kind of just go through... Characters how do you feel like character daredevil from first three episodes how do you feel like he's gone i mean like i said i think he's doing great uh he's on the same path his fighting seems to enhance um i'm a little upset at how well he maneuvers stairs you know i struggle with stairs on a daily basis and this guy's taking three <laughs> at a time yeah what do you think about how they're handling the concussion oh man so the concussion and just the hearing in general, I think, has been phenomenal because, like, they kind of zoom in on his ears or, like, pan out. Whenever we, it's like you can almost hear the sound waves. Mm-hmm. And then with the concussion, it cripples him. You know, he starts bleeding and just he loses the complete sound and just staring there in silence for, like, I felt like, 10 seconds or something. Oh, it was really cool when he's, like, screaming silently, yeah. you know, and he's, like, waving his hands near his ears, kind of like he's trying to test whether his echolocation is working mm-hmm. and, you know, give the audience that feel of, like, a grenade has gone off by him. You and know? I think that's something that no other shows really hit on or even focus with. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to see when your greatest sense kind of fails you i mean that's his most important sense yeah i would have to say well, we see his his nose is pretty good too <laughs> First, especially season one yeah He's smelling cologne and stuff from a mile away and everything but uh 
I really like the concussion stuff. I think they're handling that really well. Um, my biggest concern that I've seen so far is the way he throws his baton around. What do you mean? I don't like when he's throwing it and it's ricocheting off of stuff and coming back to his hand. Okay. Kind of like it's Captain America's shield. Yeah, just a little too hokey for me. I, that loses the gritty ground level stuff that I love about this show. Yeah. But I mean, also, I think it just depends which one he throws because he has a lot of smaller ones like on his thighs and legs and you see him just throw those and not even worry about it. And yeah. so, and I mean, and he has the big baton, which is kind of his trademark weapon. And so I think they want to focus on that a little bit. Yeah, but it's just the one that's like forearm length. He's like throwing yeah. it. It's like bouncing off a wall, off a head, and coming back to him and stuff. I'm like, nah, that's not <laughs> doing it for me. Uh, I prefer when you see him later on just hanging a chain off of him and a, oh. and a pistol's tied, you know, taped mm-hmm. to his hand. That stuff's more gritty, more real to me. That fits the series a little bit, but it's less comic booky. Absolutely. But we also find out that the the law firm is kind of really struggling. So. We don't get I mean, much. Is he even a law firm at this point? I don't know. He's a banana firm. Uh, <laughs> Chicken farm. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I mean, that's a little bit disappointing is Murdoch's not really a lawyer in these first three episodes. Yeah, like, I don't get is, any of it. Like, I feel like Karen has somehow gone to law school in the past year and is an amazing lawyer. She's the only one that's really putting M- Nelson and Murdoch first. Yeah. You know, and really pushing that to keep them afloat well i mean i would say i mean foggy's taking on every case he can and is okay with how their payment is going but i mean he's really he's stepped up as a lawyer yeah but but season one i mean episode one two and three it's mainly him worried about matt yeah and now i agree the grotto stuff is is important and that's him stepping up as a lawyer but a lot of it's just him freaking out over matt's you know health and danger he's in yeah so the, the, I think the law firm really got pushed to Karen. Uh, I would definitely say that she deserves to have her name on that plaque as well. Absolutely. But speaking of Foggy and Karen, we'll kind of lump them together. They kind of the the, te- the duo. Yeah. This first couple dynamic of, uh, duo. Even uh, though, oh, and also before we jump over to that segue, is how do you feel about them kind of pushing Murdoch and Karen together? Because, I mean, we see them in the pool hall. You know, she's checking up on him a little bit more. She's worried that he's an alcoholic. Yeah, I I still feel like it's a little one-sided. I feel like it's all coming from Karen mostly. Mm-hmm. I don't see him necessarily making too many moves. Do you think it's just because he's too worried to have a nightlife and have her bunched up with it? Yeah, I don't think he wants anybody to be that close. It's more of protecting her than it is he's not interested. Right. Okay. I, and I wouldn't want them to come off of Claire and immediately jump to Karen. Uh, I'm a big Claire fan. Yeah, and, huge uh, Claire fan. So I don't want I don't really want to see another love interest for him like to be serious, yeah. you know. Outside of someone that possibly fits his realm. Right. Or I'd love to see Claire just come back into the picture. Yeah. You know. Um but Okay, I mean, I just wanted your quick. No, I agree. I agree. The the foggy thing with having to tell Karen lies, basically saying that he has a drinking problem, (laughs) it plays for a little bit of comic relief, but it's also super sad. It is because a it fits, and I mean, I think we all have that one friend who is just party, party, party. It goes into the night. You know, they fall trip too many times. Sometimes you have to be a little too rough with them when you're taking care of them. Yeah, they're rough throughout the day, but come nighttime, bam, let's go get a drink. Let's have a good time. And just imagine if your friend was blind and drunk, <laughs> you know, had a, had a problem. So, And I thought he had a great lie. It was like, all the bruises, like, well, I am blind. Yeah. <laughs> he sees the broken glass. Uh-huh. It's like, uh, you know, dog of the hair that bit you. He's like, well, I am blind. You know, <laughs> I, I, accidents happen, you know. Was, Don't rub it in my face, you know. Make a guilt trip, basically. Yeah, I mean, know? he has a few of those lines throughout the entire first three episodes. Yeah, but, you know, I feel like that's got to end at some point. I feel like you can trust her at this point. To not, because really she was she was Daredevil's biggest fan last season. This season, so far, I feel like it's rubbing off a little bit. Like yeah. she feels like she has a slight amount of issue with how he's handling himself. I don't think she has an issue with Daredevil. I think she has an issue with what Daredevil could have created with well, him creating the Punisher. Fanboys, yeah, and because yeah, what do they call the? Because uh, in episode two, Devil Lovers or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. They were yeah. talking about that, and she was like, did we create this? Did we help perpetuate this? And I think right. that's what she has a problem with, not necessarily Daredevil. 
Right. Well, how do you, how do you feel like? What do you think about them playing her super guilt about the murder she committed last season? I I don't think it's necessarily just that murder. I think there's a deep dark secret in Karen's history that just hasn't been dug up yet. Yeah, because season one the, they were hiding something yeah, of her, and, and then this time, you know. But season one, she did finally shoot the guy, and you could tell she was really struggling with that. Yeah, but I mean, I think they're just kind of playing that up, like oh, like that's the big thing, and it's mm-hmm. like oh, maybe they've all forgotten about the big dark deep secret because she's always on edge a little bit whenever you tinker with her past yeah but she's she's especially i think it was episode two she talks about like is she the one bringing all this stuff mm-hmm. around them is it her that's attracting all this negativity and yeah. this violence and stuff like that and she says maybe she deserves it you know and i think that that's more towards her past than necessarily because i mean she kind of shot him in self-defense Oh, I agree. I don't know why she's so damn upset about it. Because no one knows that she killed him. I mean, she pumped a full clip into him, which, go Karen. But Yeah, yeah maybe overkill, if anything. <laughs> hey, but Always pull to the trigger, stop saying bang. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, before, you are saying you kind of hope that he tells her? Is that- yeah, I do, because I don't, I don't want to see Karen bumbling around trying to figure out if she's an alcoholic or not i like the idea of them the the trio you know okay i mean i I see what you're saying with that but i I think it does two things like the main thing is it gives karen a different dynamic it gives her a little bit of alone screen time and then it kind of lets us see that she's a workable person as herself so i don't have a problem with that and also i'm kind of tired of superhero shows expanding who all knows about the superhero because i'm a big arrow and flash fan and i, I feel like they're walking up to strangers on the side of the street like hey i'm arrow or, <laughs> yeah, hey you know that guy who can run really fast that's me and so having a show like this where nobody knows who they are that's very refreshing to me and he wears a mask for a reason yeah you know and so i like that it's not expanding but i also feel like at this point i feel like the only person he's hiding his identity from is karen I mean, he's hiding it from everybody. I know, but on the show, you don't see other people talking about, hey, who's the devil of you know Hell's Kitchen? Well, I mean, the cop, there's Karen, there's other lawyers and stuff. I mean... I, they're just not focused on the worries of who yeah, is Matt. the media you know? and everything. And I just... I feel like if she finds out... Like, if they put it in this soon, then it's going to completely change Karen's dynamic. No, I agree with you on that part. And I do like the fact that she kind of is a solo chick and she gets to show her power without... Like, I want to see how she builds. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. But I just... I don't... All right, so I don't want to see too much more of her worrying that he's a drunk, I guess is my thing. That's fair. But, I mean, I think that's more of just she's in love with him. And oh, yeah, she, she wants her some mat. Yeah. <laughs> she Everybody wants the Murdoch. Yeah. Um, but we get some good Karen and Foggy stuff, some good growth from them. You get to see Foggy show his balls. He goes and. Oh, they dropped. Yeah. He yeah. walks, you know, solo into a biker gang off of a third grade yeah. old friend, Smitty. That, that was a weird scene for me. I mean, I'm glad yeah. that Foggy got that confidence, but it was just like, you're now, trying. I'll be honest. This was the. I think the worst acting I've seen him do <laughs> is when he got him pinned against the pool table and stuff. He just looks, I don't know, just didn't come off well to me. No. I think that was the lowest point. But I do like that they're giving him the confidence and, you know, strength to to take these chances and, yeah, I mean, and stand I thought, up for himself. I thought it was a bad way to introduce the Dogs of Hell. Yeah, the Dogs of Hell. I think it was a bad way to introduce them. I thought it was weird to take away Foggy's confidence, like midway through that scene. Mm -hmm. And it didn't really do much. You know, we just find out that the the biker gang has a little bit of a heart. And. Well, and that their other crew was killed. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, I was saying like a little bit of a heart, and like Foggy was trying to touch his heart and soul when he's trying to get information out of him like oh you know the family and everything and he's like yeah yeah okay here's the information that you need right and that scene just didn't sit well with me yeah well it just wasn't much you know there wasn't 
because you know what the thing of it is too is they juxtapose that scene up against daredevil finding the cartel members hanging in the meat locker vicious so it's tough when you got that kind of meh scene from foggy then you got the daredevil complete shock like you know hanging on hooks hey you know there's dinner there's dinner is that a person yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, you just you just waiting for balboa to come out there and start jacking uh but yeah trading montage yeah uh i don't know that was a low point for foggy so far for me as far as his acting on the show. But then, you know, like his next big scene is when he's going head-to-head with the uh, DA. Okay, so we get a new character, DA Reyes. Yeah. And her kind of stool pigeon guy. Now, Reyes looks pretty cool. She seems very intimidating. Does I she like seem the way- like a bit contradictory to you? Like, yeah. she seems like all guns and fire and stuff, but, I mean, Foggy easily swept her legs out one round one, and just, like, she's a little bit of a bluffer. Well, I think her reputation precedes her. Okay. I think she doesn't get taken on very often. She's living like a legend, and she's letting that legend speak for her. Right. Okay. So I think she comes in, and then when somebody gives her resistance, it throws her off guard. So I like to see that. But the thing of it is, really, she comes, she comes right back and oh, you know, double crosses them <laughs> when they think they're getting some headway. So. Oh, and uh, do you want to hold off on that or just dive straight into that part with it? Well, we're going to hold off a little bit because I want to keep talking about Foggy and Karen a little bit. Because, I mean, I really like how Foggy was quick on his game, you know, calls the, I guess, the feds and has them on the line to back her up and be like, well, might as well talk to them. You know, they still may be douchey, but at least they can follow up on their action. Yeah, they know the law. Yeah. They know that you have no jurisdiction here and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed that. Um, another thing you really get to see though is is Foggy's still resisting Matt going out every single night and risking his life. You get the cool scene of him like trying to take the costume away from him. Well, yeah, because that was right after he uh, found. This is the beginning of episode two. Right, he finds Daredevil after. I can't believe we didn't even talk about the end of episode one. Oh, uh, we'll get to because yeah. that's more Punisher speak to me. Okay. But at the end, of, at the beginning of episode two, you know he's running around the city trying to find them. Right on the rooftops. Very, very creative of how he's getting into all the things. My kid locked me out. I left the groceries. Right, right. You know, just a whole bunch of different things, and he finds them, carries them to the apartment, and then, like you said, like trying to prevent him from continuing to be Daredevil. Absolutely, and because, I, that's that's the one dynamic I never get tired of. I don't him want them caring to lose as a that. friend. Yeah, I want him to stay Matt's friend. First and foremost, they're best friends. Yeah, I mean, they're almost at a brotherhood at this point right. in time. And I don't want to lose that. No matter how far along we get, I don't want him to be like that dynamic duo at any point. You know, I just want him to... The avocado brothers. Yeah, I just want him to to always be there and care for him and always like fight him. Stop Yeah. Stop going out and putting yourself in this Be danger. the angel on his uh, shoulder. Right, because it's cool scenes. Like, I don't want to do Nelson and Murdoch if Murdoch's not there. Yeah. You know, I don't want to just go along pushing the papers around. This isn't just Nelson, you know. This is yeah. Nelson and Murdoch. Right. So, he's worried, but he's going to lose his best friend. And he doesn't even want to practice law without him. Mm-hmm. So, you see how much he needs him around. And I like that. I well, love that. I mean, and uh, no, he knows he's a good lawyer and everything, but... Matt gives him the confidence in court that he doesn't have in himself. And so it, and it, it's hard to see him being a lawyer without Matt being there with him. Right. And I think he kind of plays off him even another day when he's not at court. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see him talking to Reyes or when you see him in the hospital speaking to uh, two thugs. I mean, yeah, let's know. just jump into I mean, that was a great scene. You know, they, they really are feeding Nelson a lot of great scenes in this first three episodes and he defused a huge gang fight in the middle of a hospital because he the guy that was in the gurney ripped the metal off of that uh gurney and i don't think i could have done that no Uh, it was a freak out yeah Yeah. uh and defused him with comedy and uh and law and law uh advice (laughs) (laughs) basically but you know if I think about it, the first three episodes, I think Nelson has spoke the most. I think he gets the most lines. Yeah. You know, because 
Murdoch's pretty stoic, and he doesn't. He, they show him a lot of times, like just detectiving around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Karen speaks a lot, but Nelson is kind of the plot driver almost. Love you know? authority in his words, right? And I think they trust him to deliver the lines episode to episode. And I'd have to say he seven to eight times out of ten he's hit all of them perfectly. Oh yeah, I give him a solid ninety percent. He crushes it. Um, and like but, I said, episode three, all the, all that he was doing was looking for Matt still, and you know it showed like the dynamic that you love of him caring for his friend. You know he's going mm-hmm. to the hospital, he's talking to Claire, he's doing everything that he can to make sure that he's okay after the end of that fight scene with the Punisher in the end of episode two. Yeah. So speaking of which, let's move on to it. The guy I think that's still in the show basically is Punisher. Yeah, Matt Castle. Not Matt Castle. Frank Castle. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Castle, the Chiefs. Some of that. Frank Castle. Um, he uh, he makes a strong opening, first off. I mean, I loved how they let his legend speak for him. And I mean, I hate to go back to it. It was like the same with Kingpin. They let his legend uh, speak for him. The only difference was they introduced him sooner yeah, than they did uh, Kingpin. I just can't believe they let him actually have a, a fight with Punisher in the first episode. And I mean, that's probably one of my favorite fights that they've done in the first three episodes was the first one. Yeah. I mean, pretty brutal. It was Um, short, concise, and brutal. Yeah. And then for him to pull the, the ankle piece and shoot him in the forehead, pretty rough and a cool way to end an episode. Well, uh, the name of the title of the episode was bang. And the fact that they saved it for the last word and the Punisher's first. Yeah. And the Punisher's only words in the entire episode were bang. Yeah. So, I mean, that being his first spoken line and everything, and I thought it was really cool how he pulled the piece and Daredevil kind of like froze like he saw it and it was just like four or five seconds of just the Punisher slowly smiling like, I've got you. Yeah. And then it was just bang. Yeah. And I don't think, in a way, I don't think he meant to try to kill him. Because, uh, I mean, our boy Melvin, he ends up saying like, I'd... Don't think that he meant to kill you because he's so accurate. But he, if he was shot you an inch it, in either direction, you would you're have been dead. dead. Yeah. So I think it's pretty cool to see that. We also get an awesome pawn shop scene. Uh, okay, I, I went back and watched this scene specifically before I came over to do this. And believe it or not, he says roughly, give or take two words, sixteen words yeah. in that entire like seven minute scene. But, and the lo- the his longest stream of words was as- was describing the police radar that he wanted. Yeah, <laughs> and then like the guys like punch up there's like, well, you know, it's a little piece. He just throws some money on the table. He's just like, well, I've got what you need. And, like he's just it's a lot of breathing or drinking coffee. There's a lot of his uh, words. Yeah, they've uh, they've shown the coffee thing in a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, one from a big thermos and one in the pawn shop where he's drinking just out of a cup. And so I don't know sleep. much about that. Obviously, he's trying to stay awake. Yeah, sleep's not breaks. in the schedule. Right, right. Uh, but I love the pawn shop scene. Uh, this brings me back to, like, falling down. Um, there's always these sleazy neo-Nazi uh, <laughs> pawn shop owners. They're everywhere. <laughs> I don't understand it. But Now, I want to see his, well, well, his previous show on network TV because I feel like that pawn shop opener could kill it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I'm curious about something. Now, I watched the second episode. Yeah. Uh, what was it? That was the second episode, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was the second episode. Okay, um, I watched it a couple of days ago, so I forgot. When he's walking out of the pawn shop and the guy's offering him kitty porn, and he turns around and he grabs a bat. Okay. I swear they flashed a gunshot. No. They didn't? No, he he murders them with a bat. Okay, so you hear the, like, pink or something like that? They just zooms out. There's no gunshot or any sound, really. It's just, you know, after he's put the clothes sign. And, like, I love the look on his, like, you just see his shoulders shrink like, man, I did not want to have to kill somebody I wasn't prepared for. five steps from getting out of this place. You almost made it, guy. It's like he's let something slide. It's like, all right, I see the swastika on your neck. I see you're a piece of shit who's buying a stolen purse yeah. full of goods. But I can live with all that. Yeah. But once you're offering me 12-year-old... And was he offering her porn? 
Or was yeah. he offering him porn or was he offering him the girl? I think some of it was kitty porn and then some of it was I think he was offering offering him the girl. a little girl. Right. Because like when he went and put the clothes on, he's like, Yeah, you know, I got like, I feel like he was like, I got her out back. Like we can do like, this right now. What do you now. say, like a hundred bucks or something like yeah. that? And she's yours or something. Yeah. So sick shit, basically. Um But we get an awesome this like I said, this is just building Burnthal, the Punisher, mm-hmm. you know, in my mind. And then the grotto mm. stuff with Karen. Yeah. Which leads to another really cool scene with Punisher coming through the hospital. This really brought me back to the original Terminator. Walking into the police station and just kind of strolling around, <laughs> you know, no, shooting people down. Very uh, Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. Like, never in a hurry. He, no, no, he's no. going to reach his target. Yeah, just kind of walking along. Um, Only just dis- totally dispatches one cop and throws his gun in the trash can. Dismantles it in like four seconds. Perfect shot. Yeah. Feel like he should go play for the Warriors right now. Absolutely. And they did a cool thing too where you don't see him like walking behind them running for a couple seconds before he shoots. Mm-hmm. It's like as soon as he turns a corner, boom, boom, he's firing a shot. They turn a corner and it's a window. He shoots through the window trying to hit him. I love those little details. Yeah. When they don't make it look just so made for TV. You know what I mean? Like, they're barely making out of the way of these yeah. peppers. And, I mean, it, I feel like if he had a pistol out, they're dead. But since it's a sawed-off shotgun, the accuracy is a little bit shaky. Yeah, a little off. And it's a spread. Yeah, you know, and it's going through go. a window and everything. And so, like, those are reasonable misses for this Absolutely. kind of guy to have. And, honestly, if he would have winged them at all, I could see still running because it wouldn't be massive yeah. damage. Uh, maybe Grotto. I think Karen's down for the count. Uh, you'd be surprised. Adrenaline will take you quite a bit. Not a lot of meat on those bones. <laughs> How maybe. dare you speak of Karen in such a way? <laughs> um, but all, like, who are you more impressed with the Punisher's fighting or the lack that Daredevil wasn't quite up to par in that first fight? I think it just caught him off guard a little bit. I think you've. If a guy who's a fighter comes yeah. up on somebody who uses guns to solve their issues, you won't think that he's some badass fighter. You'll yeah. think he's a gun, you know. See, and that's what made me to be a little let down in the Daredevil's hand, hand-to-hand combat. Because, I mean, in, in the first season, we see him take, what, 20 guys on in a hallway? Yeah, but and, I, mean, I, think, I think that could be an underestimation. Maybe. I mean, I could see it being an underestimation, but I mean, that also it leads to me how's a blind man underestimating somebody, you know? Yeah. And so, like, that led me to believe, because I mean, Daredevil also get he gets his ass handed to him in the second fight as well, in uh, the second episode. And so, yeah. the, maybe I'm underplaying the Punisher's hand to hand combat. I haven't read too many of his comics. I mean, he's an all around badass. Yeah. He's all around. You know, solid fighter, shooter, everything. But, I mean, that that was just my one downfall. Because, I mean, I know Daredevil, son of a boxer. He's had the training with stick and everything. And so, we know that he knows different types and everything. And I just know of Punisher to being the Marine and everything. And not necessarily lauded for his hand-to-hand combat. Right. I think he's. I think he has the hand to hands in most of the comic and stuff. It's just not played upon so much. Okay. Because he's such a gun knife guy. You know what I mean. Any of the comic book readers, please come comment. Let let me know. Uh, the, see if he is that hand to hand expert. Right. Because we get like I said, we get a couple fights. A co- uh, one point, Murdoch's got him pretty good. Yeah. Starts working him. Um, before he gets choke slammed through a, a window, basically. <laughs> a little WWE hell of right. a cell right um, there. So, I think you're right. I think I was a little surprised that Daredevil's one strength, which is his fighting, yeah. and his ability to get back up, is kind of matched and then overmatched a little bit by a new guy. Well, uh, his ability to get back up was not matched because Daredevil could take a beating like none other. And that's one thing I'm loving about this show, or kind of like the whole series, because Jessica Jones was able to take a good beating. Right. And they're letting their heroes get roughed up, and it shows later on because after going into the second fight, he had to get his helmet kind of repaired. Like He couldn't get a new one because oh, he has to redo the whole episode, which I, I love that he didn't have a mask 
in waiting. It's like, oh, I was fully expected this. Money's not a problem. Here <laughs> yeah. you go. He's Bruce like, Wayne it. Yeah. yeah, he's like, no, this is going to take some time, dude. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of give you like a little bit of help, but you're screwed if you take two base shots to the head. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like... I like his getting back up. Yeah. I like that they haven't forgotten about that. Because you even see in the first fight where he goes down and his blood kind of coming out. He smiles. Yeah. And gets back up ready to fight. You know, he's like in his element when he's doing that. He's so. a he's a son of a boxer, you know. He, yeah. he knows he's got to take a punch or two. Yeah, I think he actually enjoys getting the hit a couple times mm-hmm. before he really gets into his, his groove, you know what I mean? Um, but we get a few insights into the Punisher. All right, I. Um, just by the the rooftop scene, or the rooftop scene, yes. Uh, or are you talking about just all throughout before that? But the thing is, even before that, you realize that he didn't necessarily he didn't kill Murdoch. Yeah. When he chokeslams him through the glass, he drags him away away from police. We realize he has a code of some sort, right? Because he didn't want them to get uh, Murdoch or himself. Yeah. You know, so he he gets them both out. The rooftop scene, obviously, we get more in depth into who he is. I mean, this is easily my favorite scene of the first three episodes. No doubt, by by far. Episode three dominates. Well, okay, not necessarily this scene, like the whole sequence, because this was a lot like the first season with the Nobu scene, where they're cutting back and forth, right. which is my favorite Daredevil scene of all time. Was that Nobu one? But this one, where they're just cutting back and forth between them talking. And we get a little bit of the Punisher story. And it would, the best part of the trailer was him walking over to Daredevil and being, you're just a bad day away from being me. He's like, oh, yeah. I think you're a half measure. I Absolutely. think you're a half par. I think you're someone who can't finish the job. I was like, this is even better than it was in the trailer. Yeah. I hit people. They don't get back up. Yeah. You know, I love that stuff. I absolutely love it. I love them fighting with each other, mm-hmm. an argument about, you know, whose code is correct, basically. Yeah, he's like, you think you're better than me because you don't kill? You think you're better than me because of this? They're just like, okay, you're giving it to him. Absolutely. And, and then Daredevil said right back, I'm not better than you. I'm not this or that. He's like, it doesn't matter what I think. Uh-huh. I was I just like, it. oh, man. And only to accelerate it by tenfold when he brings Grotto onto the onto the roof. Well, before we get to that, the land, the... Land the guy who owns the building, uh, the superintendent. Oh, the, yeah, superintendent, super, uh, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, he comes up and he's got the gun pointed through him throughout the door through the whole conversation. Mm-hmm. And do you think he would have ended up killing him? <sighs> I don't think he would have just because of the Marine connection and everything. Well, and a matter of fact, he said that was just part of the, the show. Yeah. I did that for you. Because he knew he could hear... Him click the gun back. Yeah, he knows he's got some kind of weird hearing power. Exactly. Um, so I don't think you know. I don't think he would have shot him. Yeah. And, but, I mean, I thought him talking to him, you know, just saying he was, uh, oh, yeah, I'm visiting my sister. Oh, uh, I think he says, like, Betty down in two E's. Like, two B, uh, yeah, yeah. So so you've met her. Yeah, yeah. You can stay up here <laughs> as long as you want. He's like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, they do a good job. Obviously, Castle's yeah. good at uh, improvising. And then, like like you said, like how they're doing, like the hearing, the concussions, and everything. Like the like we've already said, the slow draw. Like they zoom in on him pulling the hammer of the pistol, and then it switches back over to Daredevil, right? right. And just like, oh no, yeah, yeah. So I don't know who does the cinematography and the editing and stuff, but they yeah. do a damn good job on this show. Well, I mean, for this episode, the director was Mark Jobs. All right, and well, I Mark Jobs nails it. Yeah, we'll give him all the credit. Um. I know we're skipping over stuff, you know, but we're just trying. We're not yeah. trying not to go scene by scene on this. But I feel like that third episode just completely overshadowed the other two episodes. Yeah, it was easily by far the best episode. Just the rooftop scene was was great acting, great writing. It, it was. It, it turned out to be, you know, something that maybe slow to some people because it's not a lot of action. But those are the episodes that I love. Those are the things I crave in TV. And very rarely are you able to make an episode solely on that. Absolutely. And I just feel like they crushed it. And then to end it with an unbelievable 20-on-1 fight scene down a staircase 
and in a hallway. My only problem with that was, oh, like two kind of problems was a. It was kind of a rehash of the first season. I know they were trying to match episode two of yeah. season one, and then the editing was a little choppy, like a lot of bad cutaways and. Ah. Like, cause the fighting hasn't necessarily been for me in this one. Like, like we were talking about before the show or before we started this pod was I'm seeing a lot of the missed punches. I'm seeing a lot of the, I'm falling down before I'm hitting stuff. And I think part of that is they only had a year to do this show or even less. But I'm going to tell, tell you something though. If you had not seen episode two in season one, this would have blown you away. It would have, but you know, it's kind of like if I hadn't seen the Revenant, Bjorn's bear fight would have blown me away. Yeah, the yeah, problem is I have. I understand. Uh, I just, man, you know what? On cool factor oh, and it fun was factor. Fantastic. The one thing is, I know Daredevil says he doesn't kill, but there's a few of those blows. <laughs> Throwing a guy down two flights on his neck. <laughs> He's dead. He's probably dead. But Even you know. guys with a pipe wrench in the head. <laughs> He's probably dead. dead. <laughs> you know, he's blind. He couldn't see if he killed him or not. Now, there was a lot of blunt force trauma. Uh, <laughs> I'd say five of the 20 are dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He likes to play the white knight, but I think he's pretty dead. Uh, <laughs> once in a while. Um, but this, I mean, this just was absolutely wonderful. Punisher gets away in the end. Yeah. You know. Uh, um, and Punisher stayed unconscious the entire, you know, 10-minute fight scene or something. Which I thought was impressive. Well, I'll tell you what was impressive. Punisher woke up after he was pistol whipped what, 15 <laughs> times in a row. But one shot to the concrete railing of the roof, he's done for a good 10 minutes. Well, I mean, on top of the 15, you know, the concussions add up. Yeah, I just like, I guess that was, you know, 16 the Because <laughs> uh, he was out for a while. Um, you know, it's like going back to the first episode. One good hit against a windshield, you're done for. Yeah, but this guy took 15 pistol whips. <laughs> um, but uh, so far, man, I'm really enjoying the show. Well, I mean, let, let's jump back to Grotto real quick because I mean, he did have the end of episode two, which was a fantastic scene. True, and I like how they they give him that giant recorder, like it's the 1970s, and I was just like, I don't understand that. Well. Well, I think what ended up happening was a great foreshadowing to let us know that he was being sent in to something that we weren't prepared for. You know, he was bait. So right. they weren't worried about the size of the recorder or anything. And it didn't click to me until after he gets thrown into that uh, shipping container. It's yeah, like, container. look, we're not worried about the blacksmith. You're bait for the Punisher. It's <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah. this makes so much more sense now. Yeah, absolutely. And so I really loved that aspect of Trying it. Trying to get the big fish, mm-hmm. mainly. Um, and so then like it tied in the Punisher stealing from the Dogs of Hell, that truck that they stole, and that that driver was just stuck, glued to the seat and everything. Like, I've got to drive through this. Oh, that was so cool. Yeah, and the oh, DA man. and the police didn't even have a clue that they had been snuffed out. I totally forgot about the scene before the grotto scene <laughs> where he steps in on the chop shop, basically. Yeah. And you see the one-eyed guy with headphones on, and he's cleaning the truck. And right where yeah. he cleaned, just blood splatter. Classic scene. It oh, just yeah. done perfectly. Yeah, so well done. Uh, I really appreciated that scene. And then, like you say, he's duct taped to the wheel, driving mm-hmm. him in. Um, and I was weird because I was worried or wondering why was Grotto so important to him to kill. And until the rooftop scene, you don't realize that this dude was a piece of shit too. Oh God. I, I completely forgot about, because yeah. I know we talked about him on the roof and then I jumped to something else. But, yeah. uh, like you said, Grotto was a real work, uh, ended up murdering the old lady just because yeah. she saw his face. Yeah. Yeah. So they made you feel guilty about Grotto. Yeah. A bad guy, but you didn't think he was that bad of a guy. But, I mean, you just thought he was a low-level thug who, you know, was pickpocketing purses and stuff because that's how he portrayed himself. Right, right. And then, like, you see as soon as he says that, like, the Punisher's like, I, now I know that the, everything I'm doing is vindicated. And Daredevil's face just drops. Yeah, he's, like, he's like, what'd you do? How, what'd you do? How do I not want you killed now? Yeah, yeah. And then he shoots the chain off with his one bullet. And the Punisher just blows a hole into Grotto's stomach. Yeah. <laughs> like they have the little fight, and then Grotto's like, "Why didn't you kill him?" Yeah, yeah. And like you're just sitting there, like, should he have killed him? 
Or should he have killed Grotto's? Like, who, who am That's I more? That's the thing. It's morally ambiguous. There's a lot of Catholic guilt thrown, thrown around <laughs> yeah. in these episodes. I'm done. And I feel like that's going to come back more and more. Um, I can easily see Murdoch going to talk to the priest about mm-hmm. this and stuff, you know. Um, I look forward to it because yeah. I want to hear how a priest will talk this, you know, talk him down from this ledge. <laughs> You're not done yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anywho. But, yeah, that's about as much as I want to ramble on the first three episodes. Yeah, I, mean, um, I just want to give a shout out to the, the first two episodes were named Bang and Dogs to a Gunfight. The director was Phil Abraham. The writers were Douglas Petrie and Marco Ramirez. If I mispronounce your names, I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And then the third episode was New York's Finest, directed by Mark Jobs, and the writer was Mark Verheedem. And I mean, it's just always good to good job. <laughs> give those people their due. Absolutely. And, uh, Especially the guys on the third episode. Crushing oh, it. Amazing. Crushed it. So, But, guys, until uh, I'm not exactly sure when we're going to do the next one because, like I said, streaming show, we we're, might do it a little sooner. Yeah, but I mean, We're going to try to crank them out as fast as possible because we know yeah. a lot of people have binged them and everything, and we don't want y'all to wait on this content, but we're doing the best we can. Absolutely. And we, of course, always accept our – emails and facebook hits and stuff like that if y'all want to talk about the show let us know how you like it and everything and if you like the format that we're going with because this is a little bit more difficult thing to do absolutely it's a much bigger challenge i mean we could go episode by episode but no one is watching this one episode at a time no so so give us a little bit of feedback on how y'all like it if you like the way we did this three-parter and you know we'll we'll definitely take the yeah we'll take your advice under consideration absolutely (laughs) But until then, guys, this is Blee TV, and I'm Jake. And I'm Cash. I'll take it easy.